This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. I have a chat with Richie Brown from I Am Morbid and Mindscar to share with you. Now, the catalyst for the chat is twofold. I Am Morbid are touring Australia in late August 2023. And also, I'm curious. I wanted to hear Richie's story because he's definitely got one. He was a member of Trivium way back in the day before their music was put to tape. He's a childhood friend of Matt Heafy, so he discusses that. His own band there, Mindscar. Wanted to find out what's going on there as well, and how did he obtain the gig in I Am Morbid? Because it's a heck of a thing to play those immortal guitar lines minted by the great Trey Exagtoth. And I must say, Richie does an exemplary job alongside of my old mate, Bill Hudson. Don't have a tune to share with you. We're going to dive straight into the chat. So here he is, Richie Brown. Hey, how's it Brother, how are you, mate? Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. No worries. Yeah, what's the what's the day held for you thus far up to this point? Um, really, just uh, preparing a bunch um, for leaving for uh, Europe and um, a couple weeks, actually less than two weeks away. So I'm um, just really getting everything ready to go. Um, so yeah, we're about to basically spend the rest of the year on tour so yeah is it is that the biggest tour that you've personally done so far this european joint um no um probably the biggest tour that i did was a six-week tour of the u.s and canada with um the absence and ex mortis Mm. that was that was probably like the longest straight like six weeks of touring basically um but this is going to be a lot of fun because it's a lot of the, the big, bigger festivals and stuff in, um, in Europe. So that'll be a lot of fun. We're doing 15 dates in 19 days in Europe and then, yeah. um, Asia, Australia, and then coming back home and headlining, uh, full terror assault. Yeah. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Cause uh, I know you've had quite the journey and that's why I was compelled to reach out to you because you've got one of those stories that's worth sharing insofar as your journey from Trivium bass player to where you are right now. So I might as well sort of start not so much with Trivium, but with I Am Morbid and sort of work my way back there. Um, You know, just just the journey to achieving the role with I Am Morbid. So can you share the, can you share just the, the tale of how you ended up hooking up with uh, David, Pete and Bill and and I suppose Suzanne as well. Yes. um, And it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting because I I wouldn't have gotten I wouldn't have been here if I didn't meet Bill. Bill is definitely the reason that I was brought up as an option, and um, I'm very thankful that he thought of me. Um, I'm glad that he did because this has been a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> but it's interesting. We first met backstage on the first tour that I ever did. The first day I ever was in California. In my entire life, my band Mind Scar was on tour opening for Vader and Vital Remains, and we played a show at the Whiskey A Go Go. And I met him backstage, and I mean, from there, our friendship really just took off. Like we just kind of hit it off as friends, you know. And we have been friends for so that was in two thousand 
13. So we've been friends now for a decade. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really from that initial meeting. And then he eventually he ended up moving to Orlando. So then we actually started hanging out more in person and stuff. But even like when we'd be at um, the NAM convention or on tour, we just had so many mutual friends. We would see each other, started running into each other quite a bit. So um, really, it's all <laughs> Bill's. It's all on Bill for bringing me in. But I'm very well, thankful yeah. for it. Yeah, I've, I've had a few conversations with him. He's a tremendous fella. Yeah. yeah. But um, you, you mentioned your your other band there as well. So, yeah, you certainly – this is not new for you. This is not something like where you've just been a guitar teacher in your local town or what have you, and all of a sudden, boom, you're on these stages. You have been in, in a bunch of bands. So it's not you, – you're literally playing, especially with Pete Sandoval, with probably the greatest extreme metal drummer in history up yeah. there. So was that much of an adjustment for you? Um. I, I love playing with Pete. He is uh, he is like a one of a kind drummer, and uh, I mean I've played with so many different drummers from Derek Roddy, um, who all, who also is more of a natural feel player like Pete Sandoval. They don't use any click track. They don't have backing tracks. Like they're all these, you know, very all natural live drummers um, mm -hmm. that are playing extreme metal at, at very fast tempos. So it's like a whole other like. To me, that's a whole nother level of musicianship to be able to maintain on on a stage where you're doing something that fast. Um, where like now a lot of bands, everybody's just playing to the click, which I think is fine. I like it for a lot of music. But when there's the, those amazing drummers that are already in the pocket and have a natural feel, I think that's something special. And I, I definitely experienced that in the past playing with Derek Roddy. Hmm. And now I, I'm, uh, you know, getting to experience that with Pete Sanibel. But yeah, he's... It's definitely, um, I wouldn't say it's much of an adjustment. It's more of a, a lot of fun. <laughs> bet, yeah. Was Pete in the band when you joined or was Tim still the drummer? Uh, Pete was in the band when I joined. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah. So what do you find is the most challenging Morbid Angel song to play? Well, that's a good one. Um, hmm. Oh, I have to think about that one and get back to you on it. I mean, honestly, a lot a lot of the riffs are are very challenging, and some of the parts too over time have morphed live. How in a lot of bands that happens over time. So, um, and also we're doing some special things um, to we're adding some special things into the live set. So, I mean, but all altogether, I I would probably, I don't know. That's a tough question. Because <laughs> they, they're all tough, right? They're all deep. They've all got their nuances. Yeah, but I, I, I love that. I love a challenge. I like when um, I like having to play something that is fast and technical, but being precise with it and consistent. Like that's that's fun to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and like... I, if, if if you've heard my other my my other band like Mind Scar, I write all the riffs in that band, and uh, it's definitely very like more maybe like tech death so i'm i'm i love playing death metal guitar you know it's fun yeah <laughs> that well that was precisely the point i was going to make it's some of the stuff in mind scar actually a lot of it is more technical because of it's if it's tech death nature than what more yeah. angel do but i think listening to the videos you've managed to capture the feel between you and bill you've captured the feel and the ethos of what i think Trey's all about 
in your yes. life. And, and, and yeah. so that's something that was always important to me. Cause like, as when I was a kid, I, uh, the first CD I got, uh, I got blessed with the sick and then I got covenant and I would listen to those like obsessively in middle school. And, um, I, uh, it, it definitely like as a morbid angel fan, I want to like the signature parts, the melodies in the guitar solos, even if it's not something that I would write, I want to give it justice. I want to do the songs justice. So the fans, you know, as a fan, I want to play what would make me happy, you know? So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, um, playing the solos, like whatever I want to play, I'm trying to do justice to Trey's work in the songs. And, um, May, and it, as a fan, that's what I want to do, you know. Hmm. I, I understand your point there being as a fan. So was it, I guess the word isn't intimidating, but how did you feel about working with David at the very beginning? Um, really good, man. Like he, um, the from the first conversation we had, I, I, I'm very fortunate to have such a great, you know, friendship with these guys. Um very thankful for them coming into my life and us doing music and the way that we've been doing it. Um, it's, it's a blessing, man. Um, but I, I definitely, um, I would say a more, I I'm experiencing a more genuine, uh, friendship and, uh, it is, I know it is crazy that I was listening to this music in middle school, but I mean, not, not, now I'm 37 years old. That was a long time ago, you know. A lot of a lot of people have been through a lot, but these uh, these songs are like, you know, definitely, you know, part of my musical journey and stuff. So I'm I'm honored to be able to kind of do give a, my tribute to them and do them justice with the the you know with David and Pete. Hmm. Well, you're doing a great job, as I say. There's plenty of videos out there, and the videos don't don't lie. They are what they are, and uh, listening to you, uh, the solos and how tight the riffage is as well. It's obvious when you've got that happiness of spirit, good things just tend to tend to come from that, and that's what it sounds like. Oh yeah, man, thanks. I, I'm de I'm definitely uh, pretty hard on myself when, when it comes to that stuff, so I appreciate it. Like, thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and and what would you say has been your greatest or most significant challenge since you joined the group? Um hardest challenge is <laughs> um oh, i guess <laughs> I, I mean I, honestly to, to be to be honest i guess it, it is a huge challenge when you're doing something where you're touring and stuff like this to balance out like personal relationships with people at home yeah like it could be hard to maintain certain types of relationships because of traveling and so much but it's definitely you know, maybe that I miss my cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my roommate FaceTime my cats for me. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. that is that is that what you found? Is it are people generally speaking, are they very happy for you and this this success that you've achieved now? Um, yes, yeah, for sure. Um yeah, and I'm thankful for all the positive support. Yeah, but it's not like as I said, it's not like you're the new kid on the block or anything like that. You've 
You mentioned uh, the, the two of there with Vital Remains, which is where you met Bill, because I know he did time in the band there, but you, you were also in Trivium, and and you play in Nada Sadek, if I'm not mistaken, in, in addition. I played in Nada Sadek. I, I, was, I never did any Trivium albums or anything, but me and Matt grew up uh, really close friends, like spending the night at each other's house, playing guitar all night together. Like So mm. in the early days of Mindscar and Trivium, we were both in and out of each other's bands um and uh we're still really great friends to this day and i i love them but i just basically filled in for a string of shows on bass live in uh, 2001 right. okay. um and uh but i never played on any albums um and then with Nader Sadek, i was a like a, a live session guitar player but that was a great experience because that's that was the first thing that got me out of the country touring in other countries, like getting the actual experience that I would need to be a professional musician. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Just talking the, about you. You go. I was going to say uh, the first tour that I did with, with Nader um, was Mexico. So it was a, it was just a, a good experience for me to like do something different. That's a little more serious. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been gradual. The progression has been gradual. It's not like you've just been thrown into the deep end and had to sort of figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the way to do it. Yeah. Or, or as a young feeler. And, you and like a, uh, that, that six week tour I did with um, the absence, I was filling in for Joey in the absence. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like a, 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 like a van tour, like most of the tours I had done up to that time in the U S and then the following month I was on tour playing, filling in for Chase and X Mortis with obituary, like on a bus tour. Mm. And it, it just felt like it was like, like, yeah, like walking up some stairs or climbing up a ladder. Yeah. It was definitely not something that was going to happen overnight. You have to put in the work and understand what you're doing. And there's, I mean, yeah, there's schools for it, like Berkeley that are amazing. Um, but there's, when it's something like, you know, uh, music genre like extreme metal i think it's a little more tricky yeah uh, yeah absolutely yeah it's a very uh it's a very tight market as we say and uh the difference between even cars and then vans and then tour buses uh they're very they're very much sectioned off if you like and you hear the story i've heard the stories because i've done so many conversations about people going straight into the buses if you like and complaining about it because they've never done they don't have any context. They don't have the van tours or, as I say, the multi-city car tours. Either way, you're barely getting any sleep or you're sleeping in some someone who you don't know's bloody living room. Some of the stories, what, what's great uh, with playing with I Am Morbid is many of the stories that Pete and David have told me are, are about that, are about, you know, the, the hard work and kind of like suffering that they put into the, their belief and dedication into this project and to their music. And that's, um, I feel like that's something that it, it's, it's very humbling. It's, it's nice to be around, you know, humble people that actually understand the sacrifice and, you know, like are living it rather than, you know. Absolutely. I know I was, I was speaking to Trey's mum about it, about the early days, and she was saying that she used to deliver them groceries in their share house, and then they used to go travelling in a converted school bus up north. And uh, it was a very and, – and then reading Trey's thoughts on that era, which was more like that they considered themselves a military platoon, and they had to lead life that way. So, yeah, it wasn't meant to be easy, was it? 
No, and it and it's definitely not. And this is for this is one thing I realized when I started touring with Mindscar in uh, 2013. We did many tours after that, but the lineup kept changing. I was the only consistent member because everyone, after they would go on tour, they'd be like, "Oh, I miss my girlfriend," or yeah. oh, "This, I'm depressed. I'm on tour." It's like it's yeah. something, something where you're really like kind of making, like. You, you really just have to make that sacrifice if you really love it and then you, you're going to do it. Nothing's going to stop you from doing it. The people that I, that I know that are successful, like it, there was nothing that was going to stop them. And then, you know, a lot of people, when they get a taste of it, it, I feel like it's like of actual touring and tour life. It's, it's work. It's not party. It's not whatever. I mean, maybe for some bands it is, but most people think, they have this idea of what it's like to be in a band on tour. Um, and even we just finished, we just wrapped up rehearsals for this upcoming tour because Bill's already over there. And everybody was like trying to get us to hang out and spend time with them. And we're like, even though we've been at rehearsal all day, like we haven't even hung out with each other because we're like actually at work. Like, mm. and by the time we're done, we're exhausted. Like, so it's, it's, uh, it really is, there's this really hard work element to it. And I, I feel like um, that I'm like really lucky to be surrounded by people that are also into that. Cause it's a lot more rewarding. I feel like at the end of the day, when you're like putting in all this hard work and then you get, you know, good things come out of it. So. Oh yeah. And good things definitely are and good things will continue to come no doubt. But I feel like as though there's a, a sense of destiny with you. So you've ended up working with David, but we, you've mentioned Matt there earlier and Matt Heafy, of course. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I thought not long after you, you were in the band, I thought that band had the world at their feet. I just thought it was the second coming of Iron Maiden or something there around about the crusade and Shogun. Yeah. Was your was your impression of working with Matt back then that success was basically assured? Was he just one of those guys? Um, I I believed that he was going to be successful because, like I said, he was a very hardworking, um, very determined individual. Uh, and I was like, man, this like nothing's going to stop him. And I saw it. I I just knew. Um, I I mean. It's it's funny to say I, I knew it, but like I mean, definitely people that are driven like that, you just it's if they love something so much, it's like nothing's gonna stop them. And um and I and honestly, like that that was that was kind of like a reason that I was kind of a late bloomer to music because I was I was I was afraid of tour life. Like I was like, no, I'd rather be at home with my girlfriend, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> uh but I'm uh, I'm glad that I finally, you know, jumped into it because it's definitely my passion in life is is music and that's for sure. Hmm. What was there a sliding doors moment with Trivium though? Being mates with Matt, have you been invited back to playing the band? I know that the bass role changed in about 2003 or four or thereabouts, but I can't remember the name of the other guitarist. He's pretty much been there since the beginning as well. So they, but- they've always had they've always had a very consistent lineup uh, since hmm. uh, for a long time, but. Uh, Matt has always, you know, we're, we're great friends. He's always been very supportive of many of the things that I've been involved with. So I'm very thankful for our friendship and very proud of their, their success. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Mindscar. Now we, you mentioned them a couple of times. That's the band that I think if you Google your name, that that's the group that comes up the most. So 
Has it just been one of those things where, to your exact point there, it's a tough business, it's a tough game, and um, I know there was a decade-long break there or thereabouts for you. With yeah, band, I, so. I mean, you know, the, the the great thing is, like I said, if, if I wouldn't have gone on that tour with Vader and Vital Remains, I would have never met Bill, and I would have never been playing guitar and I'm Morbid today. So, I mean, at Mindscar, there's so many like wonderful relationships that have come out come out of this project in particular and what's crazy is Mindscar is actually the very first band that I ever joined like it wasn't it was a band I joined when I was in middle school hmm. so it's just kind of like this project that because I I quickly became the lead singer and guitar player songwriter if the lineup you know, would change. I could always reach. It was always there for me. You know, like if I if I needed a musical outlet, and I'm going to be doing that, it's going to be Mindscar. Yeah, so there's um, a high level of investment still with the group for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that. So basically, what happened with that project is we were moving forward um, until COVID lockdown, and that because we were on that like lower level cusp of like we were getting very entry-level record deal offers we were uh getting very small tour opportunities but they were there and we were going to take them and we were excited about it and then when that all happened all, all of those opportunities disappeared so i for for a minute i i actually it may sound depressing but for for a minute because i i wanted you know just to be like responsible and i can't if there was nothing that i could actually do it would have to be you know, I would have to work on some other route of my career because of COVID lockdown. This is where where I was just at being just trying to be a responsible human being, you know. Yeah. And uh and until I did get the call from I Am Morbid from Bill, I had actually hadn't really been playing guitar much for about a year. Um which is super depressing, but like I, I had to basically focus more on taking care of myself and making sure that like life is okay rather than uh, going on tour with my band that's not making me any money. Yeah, well, that you, you, you can end up you can end up broken also too. You can end up very disappointed in the situation and abandoning a career before you've had an opportunity opportunity to stand in the limelight like what you are now so yeah. that was just a, a that was just a, a common sense move I, I sort of feel yeah I mean I, that situation at, at least for like the smaller bands I'm sure took everyone you know for a loop and had to figure something out you know uh, but I'm I couldn't be more thankful that I'm actually doing like you know uh, so a more legitimate project now because it, it did seem like there it seemed like for a minute because of that situation that everything I was doing at the time was just kind of gone, you know, and at the moment it, it's really, it, it is like, everyone always asks me what's going on with Mindscar is Mindscar going to play shows? Are you guys going to be active? Are you a band? What's up with that project? It, everyone asks me. And the, the real answer is, is as soon as there's the right opportunities that present themselves, like we all love playing music together. All the members of Mindscar right now are phenomenal. And I mean, these songs are definitely my babies, but it just has to make sense for me to be able to do that. Like I, none of us can just, you know, like we can't just 
and the right opportunities have to be there. And I maybe one day they'll they'll be there again soon. So I mean, we'll see what happens with that. But at the moment, I'm fully focused on um, I am morbid, and then also um, have something else very special in the works that will be announced soon. Right, uh, you're reading my mind on some of the, the way you're taking some of the points that you're making. Answer it if you can. But I mean, you right. I definitely know Bill. Bill can write, and so certainly so can David. I mean, has there been discussions about an I am morbid? So the lineup. Forget about even if it's called I am morbid, but conversations are about this lineup recording a an album of original material. Yes, um, yes, there has been conversations about that. Um, and the thing is, is if if and when we do this, we're going to create this like write these songs live in the jam room so first and foremost like we need to create the time and right now like it, it is something that we we intend on doing but at the moment right now for the rest of the year we're going to spend touring then david's going to be out with ultimates next year yeah um but we're i'll also be busy with something else next year um and then we're, our plan is to spend some time together writing this record um, in the middle of nowhere at, at David's. Um, he, he built a, a spot where we can write like uh, on his ranch. So hmm. our plan is to go out there and, and create some music together naturally. Ra rather than like sending each other riffs with drum machines and stuff like that. <laughs> like we, we, we got to feel it. We got to feel the vibe in the room. It's uh that's the way that they've always written. And I, I, I really respect that a lot about this, this band is like, those guys are like real old school. Like that is, you know, that's like real musicianship on another level that it's something I really appreciate. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Morbid Angel was always about that capturing the energy of something that happens in the moment. And then expanding yeah. it on an album format, if you like, yeah, it was always that way. You know, you bring these killer riffs into a into a uh, rehearsal room, and you just see what happens when you, you you share them with the other members. Yeah, like I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I love playing with like uh, Tommy from Mindscar. He plays everything to a click, and it's like like he'll be playing super fast, like Gravity Blast beats to a click, and I love that. That's perfect. We sound great live. However, it's like a whole different thing where you have. Um, Pete um, putting like this human behind, like you can feel that it's a human playing the drums. Like it's a whole different element of like realness that I really, you know, that I, I really like, I love and I, I definitely vibe on. So it's uh, but either way, man, I, I, I love, I love great musicians, great drummers and definitely, you know, Pete, Pete is, Pete is like the best uh, when it comes to what he does. So. You've played with some absolutely killer drummers, though, haven't you? To your point about Derek Roddy, what what was the project with Derek? Uh, so Derek and I, um, we've been friends for a long time, and we would we started out just jamming, but we did not our side up together. So oh, I right. did uh, okay. my yeah. first tour in Mexico was with him. Uh, we did a, a few different festivals, and and we did like um, like Chicago Chicago Death Fest, I don't know, uh, St. Vitus Bar in New York, stuff like that. Yeah, some iconic venues and, and and festivals. Yeah, gotcha. Do you know Eric at all, Eric Rutan? I've never met Eric, but I've heard nothing but great things about him. He's an amazing guitar player. 
Very nice fella as well. Yeah, you strike me as someone whose paths, your paths, I think, will eventually cross, and it'll be interesting to see if there's some symbiosis there for you guys about working together. I, I love his guitar playing, and I um I, I love Cannibal. Um, and I I was so stoked when I saw that he had you know gone into the band because I'm like, wow, now it's gonna be like like cannibal corpse with like eric rutan morbid angel solos like it's gonna sound awesome yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it does it sounds amazing so i yeah that he, he's he's great yeah i had a really long conversation with him and uh i i'd still consider him morbid angels guitarist to be honest with you that's just the era that i'm from and but it's 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 very cool to your point that he, he made it into cannibal corpse i think they needed him after what they went through with pat they needed yeah. sort of that stability that he brings and just that menace, just that menace that he brings to the stage right. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. But like like you said, like his his guitar playing is is absolutely phenomenal. Like he is he's one of those death metal guitar players that's really tight, which I appreciate because you I you would hear like him do a solo and it would just be like really smooth and like almost like buttery, you know, like Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his is one of the few gigs that I've had to sort of take a break from watching when uh, Hate Eternal toured Australia in 2005. I couldn't believe at the time. Extreme Metal, was it was getting there, wasn't it, back in those days? But it certainly was that, So you was that with Derek on drums? Correct, yes. It oh, was yeah, the next yeah, okay. level. I, I saw that tour when they played like in Florida, but that, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was it was next level stuff. I think that just the sound too was up a bit too loud, you know, ACDC levels sort of thing. And uh and uh it, it was just it was so pulverizing in all the, the it was just all around me that I thought, fuck, I think I need to go outside and take a bit of a breath. It was like being held underwater for a bit. But I mean that's a really good point <laughs> insofar as how how intense Eric and Derek Roddy can make something sound. Dude, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean they're they're both both of them have like the stamina of like I, I don't know, it reminds me of just like a little kid that could just run forever. You know, like whenever I jam with both of them, I'm like I'll be worn out and they're like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and I don't know where that energy comes from, but I love it. man. it's like, like, uh, yeah. I mean, both, both of those guys will play insanely like crazy double bass for like long amounts of time. So like blast beats that go on, go on and on with savage drum rolls and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't even know, like, I mean, like, uh, I, I just feel like it would hurt my my body physically to attempt. <laughs> yeah, it definitely looks like that, and it sounds like that as a fan. Yeah. So, um, are, are you list? Do you have much time to listen to music, or are you just engrossed in playing? Yeah, I mean, I my my listening is kind of all over the place. Um, I will say honestly, like when I was when I was younger. I pretty much strictly listen to metal and now I'm a lot more into different kinds of music. Um, one of my favorite artists recently has been Tigran Hamasian. Uh, he's a pianist, um, but he, I like him a lot. Um, but I mean, there's all different genres of music I, I'm really into. So I'm kind of all over the place, getting inspiration from all sorts of different things from classical music, to soundtrack scores to newer bands too like uh so i mean i'm i'm really all over the place when it comes to that thank god you didn't mention hip hop and rap there's a, there's a i can't believe how 
pervasive that bloody genre is across popular music and even within the listening habits of extreme metal fans as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's so common nowadays, but it's I think the media's had a real agenda around promoting hip hop and rap and that stuff. And and as a parent, I've got to say a lot of it's the lyrics are absolutely disgusting. And I listen, I grew up listening to satanic death and black metal, okay. So I know what that's all about. But when you've got that that fucking idiot, what's her name? Cardi B singing wet ass pussy and the video's got all these primary colours and you're a parent and I've got daughters, right? I know what they're doing. They're 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 trying to groom children, you know, with this stuff. And uh it's uh it's it's yeah i'm not having it at all to be honest with you but the genre the the style of music too it just it's all about bing bong beats and and the lyrics are fairly inane and they're not really adding anything to popular culture in my view i could just be being a cranky old man about it but uh you know i'm still vibing on extreme metal and i think i always will and it's uh it's refreshing to hear that you get into classical and soundtracks and maybe even some synth music yeah, I mean, so th- my my main thing is like when I was younger, I was kind of I was kind of like a jerk where I was an elitist. Like I was like, oh, I only listen to, and I I was because so, I was so fascinated by death metal and black metal. I would listen to it all day long. I would bring a Walkman in my my backpack and skip class and listen to it at, at school. Uh, I would get home and just immediately listen to music. Like uh, I was obsessed. Um, and I think I kind of like after doing that for so long in my life. Now I'm like, I want I want to find inspiration in other things because I've I've kind of like burnt out that part of my brain by doing that to myself. And I, I still listen to um, brutal music. Don't get me wrong. Like uh, I was actually really enjoying um, Devourment the other day. Um, like I, I like really heavy stuff, man. Like uh, but it's cool. I, I, I think it's like really important, especially as a, as a, someone that plays death metal to get inspiration from, from outside of our, our, you know, our family, <laughs> like, yep. you know, outside of our genre, like, and then it, you know, it, it brings more originality to the table for me. So, yeah, but I mean, I, yeah. I pretty much, like I said, I listen to everything. I, like I'm very open-minded about music. Um, but I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I could look at my Spotify, see what I was recently listening to. What is my favorite thing? Good old Spotify. Let's see. Um. Oh, there there is a new band that I do like a lot called uh, Mood Ring. Um. But maybe that's more like along the lines of like uh deftones or something but i also i like stuff like uh i was listening to demi Burgier, uh puritanical euphoric misanthropia septic flesh communion um this album called purulent decomposition by um sepsism a california death metal band from back in the day and that uh, the devourment album i was listening to is obscene majesty that album is so heavy <laughs> Yeah, Spotify. I just, for all of its very obvious disadvantages, if you're an artist, as, as a listener, never before in history has all of this great music from all of these different eras, and I'm talking about extreme metal as well, been available and at your fingertips. Oh, um, you know what? I, I really, I really do have a thing though for um for certain like kind of black metal stuff. Like I, I really love Septic Flesh. I have most of their records and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh. 
And I have like some like Danny Elfman, like uh, film scores and stuff like that. Hmm. So I, I like a lot of that for inspiration. Yeah. Mixing it up, a varied palette of musical interests. There you go. <laughs> What about uh, what about with touring? Have you been to Australia before? I know it's coming up, and that's that's the catalyst for our chat here. But have you have you been uh, down here before? This will be my first time. You'll enjoy it. I think I've been to the states a few times, and I haven't been to Florida. But from what I understand, if especially from where I'm at in Queensland, we're the equivalent of Florida. So okay. when, you come, when you come to Brisbane, hopefully you feel that a bit. I mean, we're still very British, as you're probably aware, but. Uh, you're still the weather and uh, the inclination of people and the like. I think generally speaking, except for Melbourne's a bit different, it's a bit more left-wing and even though it's a great city, um, it's, uh, you know, it's been under the hammer of a government down there for about a decade or so, so people are still sort of a bit scared of sharing opinions. It's very strange what's going on down there these days. But Sydney's a big global city. It's pretty disgusting, but <laughs> the harbour's great. But I think the rest of it, mate, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to see a lot of similarities between where you're from and, and uh, Australia. Hell yeah, man. Cool, yeah. Well, so so whenever you visit, visited, do you visited um, Orlando or Tampa? No, I, I I I am going to go to Florida just by default because I'm going on that um, seventy thousand tons of metal. That's what it is. Um, okay. Beginning of next year, so that you know they reach out and they give you half price tickets and stuff because you're media and and uh, I hate cruises to be honest with you because I've been in a few of them and never enjoyed them. But this one seems like it's a bit different. So so, so I actually I played guitar on that cruise this year with the band Estador from Colombia. All right. Well, what's your did you enjoy it? Was it? Yeah. Well, and, and it's really, it's very interesting how I got the opportunity. Like uh, four years ago, I did a guest guitar solo on one of their tracks. Then I saw that they were playing on the cruise. And a few days before the actual cruise, uh, a couple of their members were still having issues, get their visa. So he reached out. Um, they, they reached out to me and asked me to play on the cruise. And they ended up hiring me for the cruise. And I, uh, I had a blast. I actually... For a minute, I was wearing glasses afterwards because after we played the two sets, I was uh, up in the wave pool thing trying to surf and stuff and ended up getting all this water in my eyes. And I got I wear contacts, so I got an eye infection and I ended up in glasses for like a month or two. All right. OK. Got so to keep that whenever, in mind. whenever we played in uh, in Denmark, I had to I like took my glasses off and I, I can I can't see past year and like I can't play a show wearing them because they'll just fall off. Yeah. So. It, whenever we played uh, Viborg um, and Denmark recently, I'm I'm not moving as much because I can't see anything. <laughs> so I'm so I'm so happy to be back in contacts again, though. I can definitely relate. See, I perform a lot too. I play covers most weekends, and I don't wear glasses up on stage because they fog up. Right? Yeah, you they get fog hard. up. Yeah, and your point, you can look. I don't. I'm playing playing covers. We play everything from you know Kylie Minogue stuff, which is pop stuff, to to ACDC to whatever, you know, Lizzo too, that sort of shit. But you're not exactly banging your head like what you guys are and sort of moving around with that sort of energy. But, yeah, they, they fog up. So, yeah, it's the only time I wear contact lenses because I had a detached retina and I've got to be very careful. I can lose my sight in the eye where I had the detached retina if I uh, wear contact lenses too much. But uh, I'm I'm glad just to redouble on the point there about 70,000 tonnes of metal. I'm glad it sounds like you had a good time because I think I'm Man, going it's, that. I've been on the cruise many times. It is always the best time ever. I recommend it to everyone. 
I love, I love, I, I might be there. You might see me there. <laughs> Killer, man. Well, hopefully we bump into each other there. And uh, do you think you'll be, I was, I was diving through your, your videos, by the way, so that's why I ask the, the, this question, but will you be doing any disgusting golf ball diving? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I haven't done that job in years. Oh, man. Um, no, that... Yeah, I used to do that for work. <laughs> Is that <laughs> that used to be my job? You got a video there. Yeah, but you've got a video there where there's I don't know whether you've I can't tell whether you've um it's two video an amalgam of videos or what have you or different footage or what have you. But where there's I imagine there's a lot of alligators in and around the Yeah, and, and you know, so like uh so basically my job was um scuba diving the water hazards at golf courses to reclaim uh golf balls um and so you're there's no visibility a lot of the water's stagnant um there's usually gators in it um the bottom there's just you're using your bare hands to collect the golf balls and you have this net where you can hold like a thousand golf balls and um yeah for me and my diving partner at one point like uh we got uh gopros and we started filming our adventures because like ESPN did a special called white gold or something like that. And they, at one point they referenced golf ball divers in Florida and they're like, Oh, they're crazy. And we're like, all right, well, let's start. This is what we do for work. Let's start filming it. So yeah, for about two years, I would scuba dive with alligators at work every day. And yeah. Any close calls? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, um, I definitely was trained on what to do in case anything happened. And I mean, obviously, if anything did happen, that could be pretty extreme. But uh, I maybe I was lucky and got too comfortable. But I mean, I only did the job for two years. But I, I'll be honest, like, I definitely felt very comfortable with you know, I'd be walking up to a small body of water and there'd be three 10 foot gators jump in and I jumped in with them, you know, and there's no visibility. I just got used oh to it because it was the way that I would make money. And I'm basically the way that I felt they looked at me as like, I'm a vacuum cleaner on their floor. And they're like, what is this person doing in here? But um, I've, you know, I've had them bump me or I've accidentally grabbed them because they thought that their tail was a twig or um, God, yeah. uh, one, one time I thought one was my diving partner and I thought he just kept bumping into me, but it was actually an alligator. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never, I've never been bit or anything like that. I, I know someone that has, but I didn't work with him. Basically, um, uh, somebody that got bit gave us a contract for a, a golf course um, that, and then we started diving it and there was a lot of gators there. So I know, I know the risk factor was there, but the whole time that I did that and grew up working for this company in the warehouse as well, I, uh, I never, no one in our crew ever got bit by an alligator. Yeah. I'll, and, I'll, I had to do some research, so, but they mustn't be, see, you go a couple of hundred kilometers North of us. You're probably aware of this with Australia, but you can't go in the water. I mean, if you go in the water, you're dead. Every every there's always some drunk idiot or something like that who tries to walk across a river and they get taken by a crocodile. Wow. Or there's ir- ir- yeah. So crocodile places. crocodile would be another story. I, I I've never encountered crocodiles. I know some people that have, but I I I know the in particular the ones that I've swam with and dealt with are alligators, and um, 
I'll be honest, like they, they remind me of like the personality of any sort of animal that is kind of like, that is stray that's, you know, trapped outside and doesn't really have a sufficient like environment to fully survive to its full potential. So it's kind of like, reminds me of, you know, stray animal and Mm. rather than, uh, you know, this is ruthless savage, you know, that's gonna, you know, maybe probably in Australia, you have more um, natural resources for them to thrive for crocodiles and stuff like that. Well, they, they're, they're, they're bastards though. They're, um, they, if when you see them, especially when you see them out in the wild, they, uh, they, they're dinosaurs effectively. I don't know alligators are too, but I know uh, I could be wrong. They are. I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. I don't think alligators, I don't think is naturally as aggressive. See, all of our animals are incredibly aggressive here. That's the difference. So you've got snakes in the US and you've got alligators and stuff, but the difference is the ones here will actively... I don't think that they'll go after you because they're sons of bitches, but if you're in their territory, mate, you're gone. It's just that yeah. simple. Whereas it sounds like you're going into their territory and you're, they're just sort of a bit curious and they're a bit like, who the hell is this or what the hell is this to your point? Who's this person vacuum cleaning our environment? Yeah, and like I said, stray animals. So, like, you know, if you try to uh, an approach a stray cat, it'll probably run away. You know, it, it'll be afraid and hide because it's doesn't, you know, it's a straight that that's what, kind of like the personalities that, that I've experienced for the most part. You'll ever now and then get that one that'll just follow you around. Like, what are you doing here? But Oh, really? Yeah, that's a fascinating job, mate. Yeah, you could definitely write a book about some of your experiences at that point or a, a very lengthy blog entry at the least, because it's an interesting tale that you got to share there. Yeah, <laughs> so something something I had to do just for a couple of years. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, this has been a fascinating chat. Thank you very much for accepting the invitation. I appreciate it. And I think people listening will as well, just to get some insight onto you and uh, some context as well, because I could only find one other chat out there with you. So I Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, look, good luck with everything. I think you're just going to go from strength to strength, though, from the sounds of things. And hopefully, mate, I'll certainly be at the show. I'll give you a throw up the horns, mate. And if there's a chance to have a have a beer, mate, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I look forward to it. Another great chapter to add to the big book of conversations that is this Scars and Guitars podcast. That was Richie Brown from Mindscar. I am morbid, and we might as well add Trivium in there for good measure as well, based on his association, his childhood association there with Matt Heafy. Okay, if you enjoyed that one, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. And if you like listening, I reckon you like reading too, which means you're in luck because I've written a book, Scars and Guitars Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. It's a podcast memoir. So many of the chats throughout the History of the Scars and Guitars podcast are represented in the pages of the book, but don't just take my word on it. Download a sample, and if you do complete the purchase, hit me up because I want to thank you personally, and there's some more information to share with you about the book. But before we get to that, my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it's a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, 
heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Coal Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction. To George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, I just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was. Very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.